Welcome to the Artificial Cities Podcast, where we will talk about artificial intelligence, technology, policy, sustainability, and so much more. Let's grow one conversation at a time. South Fulton County, yeah. well, we have a lot of great attractions. Of course, we have Wolf Creek Amphitheater. We have the Tom Lowe Shooting Range, which a lot of people from all over the state come and participate in. Um, we have a lot of nature trails, and um, a big thing right now is rock climbing. So we have the Cascade uh, Nature Preserve, where a lot of um, organizations from all across Georgia are coming to uh, enjoy our rocks. And I never knew it was a thing, but now I know it's a thing. So um, that's one of the things. And we just, a lot of rock climbing, it's a lot of land, a lot of hiking. So um, great little city to be a part of. Chattahoochee River, so fishing, all of that good stuff. It's a good attraction. Yeah. The hooch. The hooch. <laughs> I am Carmelita Gums. I am the council member for District 2 in the new city of South Fulton here in Georgia. Beautiful. Okay. So as a councilwoman, what is your job? That's a big question. That is a big so, question. So let's start off with, with the process of becoming a councilwoman. So to become a councilwoman, you have to be elected by your neighbors and your peers within the community. Um, we started as a new city in 2017, so uh, we finally got the referendum passed, and I decided to take a leap and run for city council. And at that moment in time, I had to go out and campaign and talk to my neighbors and see if I was the best fit for our district. And uh, they elected me to represent them um, on city issues. Some of the things that I deal with on a database are definitely constituent concerns and issues such as roads, traffic lights, um, land use permits and things of that nature, but also just making sure that um, we maintain our integrity as a community, making sure that we're dealing with things such as short-term rentals, um, also to uh, a lot of infrastructure that is coming into the city, um, just trying to make sure that it's strategic as far as our growth and making sure that it's not very overwhelming um, for our citizens. Of course, we're a new city, we're growing extremely fast, uh, but you gotta have a balance. And I think that's one of the things that they've elected me to do, um, is to do that. Beautiful. So, do you think that there is a disconnect between the constituents and their ability to communicate their problems in their everyday life to get that information to you? Is, is there a bit of a disconnect um, just on a technological scale of where people know how to contact you about the problems around them? I, I would say absolutely. I think um, before coming, and you're gonna hear me refer to this quite a bit, before uh, becoming a city, we were disenfranchised. That means um, we were unincorporated for a while, so we didn't really have an elected voice. Um, we had a commissioner, but again, they were managing the whole entire uh, county. So at this point, you know, our residents have been disenfranchised for such a long time, so it's now they want, they want, they want. Um, and trying to manage those expectations have been incredibly hard as starting a new local government. Um, we, as council members, have started our own um, newsletters while we were waiting for the city to get up to par, you know, as far as staffing, bringing on our own communications team. We've elected and did our own social media pages. Uh, we've also started uh, social groups uh, where residents are in different groups able to talk about the issues and concerns. And what it has done is that it's created a narrative of maybe some misinformation to the residents that are not always accurate, um, but they also use that as a way to gather information of what's going on in local city government. Um, I, I think that has been incredibly tough. We're now turning a curve and we're building um, I guess the, the structure for where residents need to go. We have a, a nice platform where they know they can go to the website. They know that they can actually um, reach in and dial into our communications department. We have a 311 system now. So we're building it, but I think residents were yearning for information for so long that they just didn't know where to go. So they went to social media and it then began to cast Sometimes it can be, social media has its devil parts, you know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Um, it's a way to get information out to the masses, but 
what we've learned is that sometimes the information that's out there is not always accurate and it causes a negative cloud on some of the things that we try to do um, as elected and even in the city. So that's what we've had. So from what I understand, um, there we, we are trying to utilize uh, current technologies mm -hmm. and we've had some success, but there seems to be a bottleneck in terms of how that information is actually being able to be translated into functional, um, some, some type of function out of the information. So um, that really falls back on your partners, mm -hmm. your public works, your um, you know, contracted engineers with the city government. And do you think that there is a lack of accountability and then that blame gets misplaced more or less back on the elected officials who are doing their best to put people in the right positions, but because of the way these non-compete forms uh, with government to private contracts are written, there, there seems to be a missing piece of, of how we can actually bring about the change and, and, and eliminate the waste that's, that's being emitted mm -hmm. through the public funds. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. I think, and to be quite honest, I think one of the mistakes that we've made becoming a new city is inheriting a lot of what our previous predecessor, Fulton County, did. Um, of course, when you bring over staff from another municipality, you also bring over those ideologies, those thoughts, um, and they don't have, they don't always align. And I think that's where we kind of had a misstep. Of course, in 2019, we uh, went to go and certified ourselves as trying to be a smart city for um, the city of Southfield. And we want to be an innovative city. And I often kind of laugh about it sometimes. I don't know if you remember the movie In the Heat of the Night. I always think about uh, Mayberry. I don't want a city that's Mayberry. I want a city that's innovative, um, that we're using our best technology to be efficient, cost efficient, and to just make sure that we're a safe city. And um, I, I think that that's what happened, is that we inherited that thinking, those same practices and policies, uh, and we brought them over to the city, which kind of set us back because when you're in a, when leaders are in a comfort zone, they don't really like to move. So I think bringing innovation and technology was not a comfort area for some of these leaders and they did not embrace it. And now we're kind of turning the curve in that um, and hoping that, you know, with our new leadership, with our, our new city manager who has embraced the technology that we're, we're moving towards that. We can't say that we'll use drones, but then we don't, we get the data from the drones, then what do you do with it? And I think that's what we've been doing is that we've implemented some great technology strategies, but where is that data going? What are we doing with it? Are we just holding on to it? So how does that really make us efficient as a, a city, a smart city? So so this really brings into the, the concept of artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and being able to process data and and put it in a, on t and layer it as well. And the most effective way to do that is by crowdsourcing information, which really, you know, turns turns the scale of turning us more into almost more or less a direct democracy, mm -hmm. where we have the technology where we can see the inputs and outputs of our governments, where before that just wasn't feasible, that wasn't plausible. But now we can, and you have, you know, one of the, one one thing I saw on the, one of the South Fulton group pages was someone complaining about getting a speeding ticket, and they were like, you know, kind of speeding ticket, yeah. you know, of course I'm going to pay it, but I wish they fix our roads. But yes. they don't understand how government funding works from inputs to outputs, and that the police department isn't, they're not raising money for actual, the road construction per se. They have their input of where their budget is actually going to a particular output. Yes. And so, you know, developing AI that can actually register where these inputs and outputs are going and being able to allocate you know the cost of you know all right well if it costs two thousand dollars to fix this patch of the road mm -hmm. and this company is receiving six million dollars a year how many roads can we fix with that exactly and 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 so creating transparency and using technology for that trend so do you want to speak on behalf of how technology artificial intelligence and, and having a smart city isn't isn't just about 
you know, controlling, it's not about controlling the people, it's, it's about making a more honest system where, where the constituents have more integrity and so do the public officials. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. I am very big on transparency. And just like with our open government, um, that platform that we've developed, we want to be able to provide residents with information right at their fingertips. You know, we're logging in the data, and then on the back end, a resident should be able to log into that system and see what's going on with the financials. We want people to embrace that because, again, I could get a call and be like, oh, you all spent this amount of money on such and such, but did you check into the system and see exactly where it went? So those type of things are important, and I think residents need to embrace it. Um, they don't really understand government. They don't. They're just like, oh, well, they're raising all this money on these cameras. What are they doing with this money and blah, blah, blah. But it's a layers to bureaucracy, as you all know. But as far as with the technology, it helps us to be more efficient. Um, and the whole thing with the speeding cameras, I mean, it is. It, people have slowed down almost to 80%. You know, even riding through those school zones, even though I have not, I've been blessed not to get a ticket, people are creeping through those areas. So it is impacting behaviors. Um, it's also making people start to think more and then holding them also accountable instead of calling and saying, oh, the police are doing this and then the police are doing that. But the revenue that comes off of that is where we're going to be able to decide how we're going to impact the quality of life for all of the residents here in the city of South Fulton. So I, I think as we continue to move the needle on technology in those uh, areas, I think that we'll have a more efficient government. We'll be able to direct where funding will go, and residents will be able to have a more stronger voice in directing that as well. So that's my thoughts. I like that. And I, I do want to kind of tack on to that specific example. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, whenever you can have cameras replace physical people who are pulling people over on the side of the road, making a dangerous situation for every driver out there, mm -hmm. putting the you know police officer at risk because you know he's walking up to a strange car, um, you know to you, you actually inherently lower those types of interactions yes. while simultaneously making safer roads and making people feel safer getting in their car, mm -hmm. and 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 you know I think that is a fascinating concept of building technology as a way to make interactions more efficient, more effective, and change behavior in a way that's that helps everyone. Yes. And it makes more responsible behavior because I think there's there's a problem that people have whenever you talk about um, oversight mm -hmm. and people feel like they're being controlled. Yes. But there's a big difference of being responsible and, and making good choices and actual true over, overstepping absolutely, the Absolutely, absolutely. So how, how in, in, in a couple small words, um, I kind of want to ask, you know, for artificial cities being able to communicate with the city and bring more data to the public officials, mm -hmm. um, how has artificial cities been able to, to kind of help South Fulton in its developmental stages right now? Well, um, one, we're in the very early stages. Um, again, it's preliminary, preliminary data. Um, what it has kind of done is make our departments kind of step up a little bit um, because this right now, artificial cities, is being garnered by a resident. You know, a resident that's in a community that is concerned about his community and understands the value of data and how it can drive decision making. And um, I think once we get to a point to where all of our leadership is on board. I think it'll be a fascinating tool to, you know, cast across the entire city. But as of right now, I think, like I said, it has made us want to really kind of step up our game, understand the value of technology. Um, we just was talking about our police department. As a new city, of course, we're growing our police staff. And residents are used to seeing police officers. They want to have them in the community. They want to um, have them standing on the corner or just that visibility. But through technology, that visibility can be there and then feeling a little bit, of, you know, more safe. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, we don't have a, a, a lot of police officers on our force at this point in time to where we can have police officers, you know, just sitting and giving out tickets. And that's why the value of technology is so important. But again, being a, the artificial cities component is making us be more aware 
as a local government of what we can do and our capabilities and being able to grow and move forward to to that. When is your re-election? My re-election is in November, okay. November of 2021. Um, so if you want to just have a mentioning of, you know, uh, just so everyone knows, mm -hmm. elections for South Fulton, um, is it just for council members? Or? So it is the mayor. So we have the mayor seat that is up. We also have District 2, District 6, and District 4. So the even numbers, um, we will be having our seat up. But there will also be some items on the ballot that will, you know residents will need to get out and vote for. Um, so I do encourage all residents to go out and vote. Um, with, this is our future. Again, your input for the city is important, and we want to make sure that you're valued. So I do encourage everyone to go out to the polls, but on November the 2nd, 2021, we will be voting for your mayor and your council. I, I love so I'm a I'm a freak when it comes to like dialogue. I can just you know bounce off of stuff like that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, but um, I'm excited about it. Um, and we just need to continue to move our city. If we can get our infrastructure in place. I think you know we could talk smart cities all day, but until we get our infrastructure in place, that's going to be the big thing. So well, it's a difficult area too. It is um, because you've got the airport right there. You have. All of the, all of just the metropolitan Atlanta just sitting mm -hmm. right on top of you, and you know this area has been very suburbanized in its development. Yes. So yes. I'm sure that's nice for traffic flow, mm -hmm. uh, but that comes with other problems as well. It does. So you have transportation issues whenever you suburbanize, and so there's a lot of you know moving pieces. All of the issues that you're hitting on are what we're experiencing, um, and just trying to get it up and going, you know, if you don't have that smart city mindset or thinking, you know, how do we impact, you know, change with data, it won't, you got to have the leadership and the vision for it. So um, I think that we're finally moving that direction. So. Am I able to comment on that? Absolutely. Uh -oh. yeah. No, I, I was going to just say, <laughs> yes, you did great. Um, very, very stimulating conversation terms of hitting on all the points versus being really emotional about when you get that camera ticket versus thinking mm -hmm. about I think a lot of times in our society we to some degree we're all guilty of it but I think we become so selfish about mm -hmm. things you know whether it's COVID or whatever and we always feel like we're the victim yeah versus what you hit on what was the purpose of the cameras were the cameras there to attack people was it there to no it became it became um, an issue and they were implemented because of loss of life. Mm -hmm. People forget that it, it's, and it's, it's so um, disheartening and a lot of times someone has to lose their life and then we want to do legislation. Yeah. We mm -hmm. want to install cameras or we want to like, promote things more. That shouldn't be that way. It, it should just be, what does the data tell you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how many wrecks were right there before that one person died? And, and, but you always find, like you mentioned, the person going out there, they've complained more about the cameras than some other things that maybe they should be like, complaining about. <laughs> and, but I think that's only because you're hitting them like in a wallet. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know... But that's how you in, impact and change behaviors, hit them in that wallet, because... $300 tickets, now I see those people that have gotten those tickets, they just creep through those speed zones. They're not taking it for, you know. And like you said, it is a shame that it had to be a loss of life. It took forever to get the data. So we had to use that as, okay, we've lost two children in this intersection, you know, in a school zone. So that's what we had to campaign off of to get the cameras. Versus using, we've had this many wrecks here, and things, and even with G dot, so we've had many violent crashes from Old Fairburn Road all the way down to Campbellton. And my thing was, give me the data. How many car accidents have resulted in deaths from this time until this time? And they finally gave it to me, and then they saw that okay. This is what happened. But it took them like four or five weeks to pull that information up, which more lives were lost in that process. But they ended up seeing the difference. Now you got the rails that are coming in in that section. You also have the change in the lights, and people are more you know, keen to slowing down. But you have to have the data and all your decision-making points. So. And, 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 and for me, it's, 
you know, it's not fast enough, but, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it is what it is. But I was going to also mention that I, I hope Garrett mentioned that um, your particular interview, it, it does, it's just not local because artificial cities were like almost like connected to the World Economic Council, yes. which has like okay. about over 7 million followers. Wow. So whatever you are saying about the city of Salt Fulton, <laughs> mm -hmm. if a person was even thinking about moving here, travelers and that, it, it's uh, things that need to be said. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's always better for all of us to definitely give this light of like, these are the things that we're actually doing to improve our cities. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so much easier to you know, talk about the, you know, the negative. But I, I, I just really think that we dwell, human nature, we dwell on the negative. We remember that oh, yeah. so much. Well, that's yeah. one of the motivators is, is running away from something. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so that's the thing. So you, thank you so much for You're welcome. Well, before so. our previous city manager left, well, our previous city manager, I was trying to be more like, you know how Atlanta has smart ATL? So I was trying to really set up us a department that could be more of an innovation department where it would in, you know, encapture like smart cities. So I'm going to push that back again and see if, you know, we can start kind of moving some people to really start focusing on smart cities and how to adopt those things. And maybe we'll start getting some more traction as well. Yeah. And maybe you can apply in the city. <laughs> yeah, our, our, or maybe be our consultant. Our, yeah, yeah. Our our thing is we have so many different like directions that we can go. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more than thankful to the neighbors and, and the city thus far. People wanted to participate like in the pilot and so yeah. forth. And even when we kind of shut it down, people were still emailing me and calling me. I can't go in there and I can't submit. This was now like, hey, you know, this is not. <laughs> you know, go to ClickFix or something, right? Go over there or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm just thankful that people. To like participate, and uh, we can avoid those uh, situations that you mentioned, where someone has to experience a bad situation before they implement something. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, in that conversation, we're still working on on how we're going to partner with cities. Okay. So, you know. I think it would be great if we continue dialogue about you know how we can help, whether it's consulting, implementing the technology directly, mm -hmm. or even if it's us coming in and having a conversation and helping map out the the professionals that you need, and that becomes you know one of our functions as a company. Absolutely. So us you know having the technology is in and of itself you know one of the programs we can do, but you know beyond the technology, us being able to help and advise and you know advise even having a certain type of civil engineer for this job and mm -hmm. um, you know being able to allocate some type of way that we can just continue to build a relationship and make South Fulton basically the city upon a hill because you know it's not the ideal place looking back where you want to take and move but with the implementation of what you guys are Absolutely. doing with with the development making a smart city making it safe mm -hmm. I mean that's that's what you want for a family to move into is a safe place mm -hmm. and so our three pillars right now is public safety, of course, our parks and recs, and then economic development. And I can see how smart innovation can just kind of capture all three of those, you know, making sure that we have, like, broadband and making sure that we're able to have Wi-Fi in our parks, um, all of our parks, or even throughout the city type of thing um, to make it more friendly and then also too easier for uh, economic development, especially with our community improvement districts, focusing on beautification. There's different ways that we can kind of implement the smart cities. And of course, public safety right now, we're, we're attempting to do that. But, you know, we got the drones and all other stuff, but it's so much more we can do to be more cost effective um, in that. But that's going to take time consultation and then just kind of showing people you know new strategies so and I was gonna know we actually do intelligent cities but mm -hmm. we're gonna talk smart cities with everyone else because okay that slogan that they put out there a few years ago is that people can like delay oh smart and that, but we actually build intelligence intelligent cities, which is there's a big difference between smart and intelligent in terms of how like devices okay are used well I, I want to be an intelligent city yeah and design of the future progression of, of later implementations of, you know, having more or less a master plan for mm -hmm. where where we can build the communities and on down the road instead of it just 
just fixing the problems now where we can take communities. I love that. Okay. I'm glad you explained that to me because I've all, I've just been saying smart cities, smart cities. Yeah, because that's what they they kind of sell. That's a, that's a, well, but that's a good hot word. The uh, cliche, the hot word. Yeah. But but everything that you do, even when it comes to our, our lives, you want to collect data, do algorithms. Mm -hmm. But eventually, you want things to become more self-learning. Yes. When you start changing, like say, like behaviors, what's the impact of that? Mm -hmm. Like you said, people flying through like school, it, it it just doesn't change the school zones. It makes them more aware of most things. Yes. Okay. Okay. So whenever you're doing that, there's a long-term like so like effect, and people become more intelligent about what they're doing. Mm. You know, um, putting flashers on the road so that way they can subconsciously know cameras on this road I see the flashers I'm yes. going to hit my brakes now okay and, you know so not just having the city smart but having it continuously adding more and more ideas to to work with the human okay how our brains work okay it, it will also actually even like impact things like car theft mm -hmm. car breakings that there's a subliminal part that people don't even get that when you don't feel so free to go zooming through this area to area or a camera or so on, this and that, it changes even like the behavior of, of, of crime like related to cars even. Yeah. People don't even see that part. They oh, that's, that's physics. Atoms act differently under observation. Mm -hmm. So humans are the same, same exact thing. And you know, we get a lot of backlash when we talk about installing cameras. Um, and I'm not... I'm still trying to understand why we get so much backlash on that. I can give you, well, he, I, mean, I mean, you touched on you know some of it, but when I used our our uh, company to get the cameras into our community, mm -hmm. right, one of the biggest things was like my privacy. Yeah, you're invading my privacy, and I think I may have kind of joked offline and said, "Well, if people are coming home at two or three a.m. in the morning that shouldn't, we're not trying to capture." Who's coming and going? We're not trying to capture you doing something outside of what you shouldn't be doing. This is mm -hmm. not a social experiment. The cameras are there to prevent something, and usually that's something that's harmful. Mm -hmm. Not to capture that something that you're doing, something socially that we're trying to control. And that's what I've seen. It's like people don't want to be caught on camera doing something that they could be, but the cameras are capturing license plates make it model of a car or something like that, not capturing what you're doing in the car, mm -hmm. not capturing who you're talking to on the phone. Now, where you're that's, going, those are fears. You. People don't want you tracking where they're coming and going daily. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how you may relate to that, but the human psyche is like, I don't want you to know what I did today. And that's what I get from a lot of the conversations and and, 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 and the complaints. It's like, why are you kept capturing my plate on my car at 3 a.m.? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Were you, you weren't speeding? Were you still in the car in, in the community? Or maybe they think that, you know, a husband <laughs> or might call and be like, Kay, can you not tell my wife that I came in at 3 o'clock in the morning or something? I, I don't know. People don't want you to know their whereabouts, but I'm saying if you don't want people to know your whereabouts, don't carry a cell phone around with you. Number mm -hmm. one, number two, don't That's drive true. cars. Sure. Those don't carry a cell phone and don't drive a car. Ride a bike and don't carry a cell phone. But, but the way our world is changing now, you're always on video. That's how I feel every time. Satellites watching. This yeah, hundred percent of the time. All the time. You're not going to get away from it. And hmm. I think one thing that you that is important to understand, especially on a political, um, more or less public official arena mm -hmm. is what you hear is not necessarily what is most concerning what is most important what you hear is who's the loudest yeah and and you're going to hear the loudest yes. of people on both far ends of the spectrum mm -hmm. and if you look at statistics you know you have that la that 98 percent you have the top two percent and the bottom two percent that's who you're really hearing and so you know artificial cities like one of the things is to really quiet those those outer extremities and really consolidate you know where that emotion is coming from mm -hmm. and bring it into where the the middle 50% of everyone's agree agreeness lives okay. and a lot of that is narrative you know interviewing um, people that have been hurt you know in a certain area to push mm -hmm. your narrative of like hey we need cameras here you know like 
this person's whole livelihood, they, 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 their whole education was ruined because this semester their car got broken into. Here's their story. Okay. Stories are going to be how you touch the human compassion. It's, mm-hmm. it's how you reach people because it, it makes people have the ability to put themselves in those shoes to see that perspective, to understand that narrative, to then process it properly. Got it. Okay. Otherwise, they're just hearing noise and mm-hmm. trying to filter through that noise on their own, which is... What you end up with is what you initially said. You get mm-hmm. misinformation through mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have a lot of noise, and we, we have not been very good at controlling our narrative. Um, and that's one of the things that we have to really work on is controlling that narrative. So. Thank you. Thank you so much because it's posted out there on uh, Next Door. Mm-hmm. Next Door is the last place you want to post all your dirty laundry. You know, you know <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot, right. because now you don't even own it anymore. Yeah, and uh, you know, s- some company in San Francisco, which owns Nextdoor, is now managing, you know, like the city of South Fulton's down. Mm-hmm. That that is just and and because the people are, are socially uneducated, they go out there, and even I would go out back in the day and try to, but I gave up. <laughs> I don't go there anymore. Because it's 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 not healthy. It doesn't help where I live, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of my neighbors started getting the same message because I started voicing like, you know, if you really don't like something, maybe try something else. But give me your life story and how horrible things are here on a public forum. Yeah, is I just don't think it's the place for it. But that's my own opinion. But like you said, you have those two extremes, mm-hmm. and I think what's What's healthy is what you just mentioned, which, which as you know, we're trying to do with all our future podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, we're bringing in all all the heavyweights, you know, to talk about solutions. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how the news media picks up on a lot of our our stories for mm-hmm. the city. They listen to the residents putting that information out there, and they come and they're like, "Okay, well, we knew that you felt this way about this." So all of our dirty laundry. It's on these social media. It's already out there, <laughs> and the news media just knows where to go and get it, and that's how we get these salacious stories on, you know, WSTV and all this other stuff. So, you make a very valid point, and our economic development also is hurt by that as well. So, well, there's there's a, a system I think a lot of humans miss out on, and it's mm-hmm. the scientific process. And complaining is the first step of acknowledging a problem. Mm-hmm. So when someone's complaining, they're saying, "Hey, I found a problem." Here's my problem. But the problem is, is that people don't know where to take that problem. So they go from person to person, and they really become a negative wormhole okay. of, of, of just human sadness. Okay. But ultimately, you know, they're, try- they're really trying to f- fix that problem. Mm-hmm. They're worried that it's going to happen to someone else. And, you know, there is some selfishness involved with it in terms of just, uh, you know, my problems. But... You know, I really believe it's more than that. I really think it's it affected that person so much they're trying to share that information. And if mm-hmm. you know, these social media platforms are only inciting more anger and they're 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 programmed to, to get those clicks out of anger instead of programmed to, to get clicks out of intellectuals submitting responses yes. and crowdsourcing, you know, local intelligence. And because, I mean, when you turn the block, I guarantee you, you've got 10 engineers in your neighborhood. You probably have three architects. You probably have five GCs. You probably have, I mean, you probably have enough intelligence in your neighborhood alone. You could rebuild the entire city. And so because we have a limited amount of, of workmanship power because of these contracts, because of, of the fact these solutions aren't being brought up, mm-hmm. the city government is stuck. Yes. Because your job isn't to be a general contractor. Mm-hmm. Your job is to get advice from a general contractor. And you can't get do your job right if you're only getting one, you know, seed of, of, of value or one solution being brought to you by one person. Because yeah. intelligence is a network. It's not from an individual neuron. It's not from an individual person. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a system. And so, you know, being able to have a system that receives the problem and puts it in a place where the community can fix it. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's one of the, the lineages of it not just being a smart city, but an intelligent city. Okay. Because it produces outcomes. I so. could listen to this all day. 
but you're great. I mean, you, you like I said, the short period of time that we have interacted, I know that you get it. Mm -hmm. And I know that you can embrace change. And even when it comes to what I say, little companies like a little mm -hmm. software company like ours and so forth, we're going to be fine no matter what. But we know that cities have a life of their own, and we know that typically a city is almost like a machine. They don't like to take a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. They're going to go with the Microsofts, mm -hmm. the Googles, the IBMs of the world. When they bring, because they know, we know exactly what, what we're going to get when we sign a contract with IBM. Okay. And, and that's it. So a lot of times there's very little room for the little guys out there running around who want to do trash or do potholes mm -hmm. or, or do writing. Or it's like, the basic. Yeah, yeah, there's no room for them. Mm -hmm. So we just turn it all over to IBM. You know, and then they just do whatever they do and they go from city to city. And so I know. you know, and But I, I know that um, whenever you can involve more people in the community, as you were saying, like you already have you know, maybe some engineers in the city that work where... The more people you can get involved, especially when it's almost like, you know, some people are willing to do it, and you're not cutting a check for them. Yeah. Yeah, they just want it. I mean, it's going to increase their real estate if mm -hmm. their roads are better out front. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so there's, there's all, and you know, there's always more than one or two or three or four ways of doing things. I, I just think that, like, communities are only as strong as the people in it all the mm -hmm. time. And I think that's where we get lost. A lot of people say, I pay property taxes. Then they go home and they want a turnkey solution. Yep. And then they say, Guns is not doing her job. Mm -hmm. And I get lost in that one <laughs> because I go like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, how about cutting your grass? You know, how mm -hmm. about not parking your car on the street that's been sitting there on flats for like months? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's this self-determination that has to come out of like the community if you want. But typically what I kind of hear is these cameras are ruining our lives. People aren't doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. that. And there's no accountability to the individual. Yeah, yeah. And, and so for me, living in various cities and coming from the Washington DC area, working in you know, Silicon Valley for almost 20 years, I saw the startups, I know how things work. I've seen the tech companies, I know what they do. I, I like hear this, but I will tell you, as long as you stick with the data and, and the facts, right, mm -hmm. it's hard for them to debate that. Yep, data and facts. That's, that's it's hard. They can be emotional all they want. Show me alternative data. Mm -hmm. And when you see, when you hear that pin that doesn't, you know, when it's a pin, you know, here when it drops, you always, this is what I found out since moving here, is when I present the data, it gets very quiet. It gets quiet. Yeah. Yeah, you got to. So my last question for you guys is, what city do you feel is doing it right? Like, mm. something that we can really model, and I can say, let's look at this city. Where can we showcase? The city that I will be retiring to, Peachtree City. Peachtree City? Yeah. Very it's, intelligent city? It's, it's, well, because it was built master plan from the ground up with those biking path, golf mm -hmm. cart path, 80 miles of it, walking, jogging. I mean, you've been there, right? I, I, I've, I've been through Peachtree City. Okay. They've been set up for success. They were fortunate from the ground up to build it that way. Mm -hmm. And they have um, st uh, stipulations already built into the city that if you're going to come in there and build even, you've got to meet certain standards. Mm -hmm. And whereas here, when you're taking over what you said, this unincorporated area, you know, the cars and the trucks, they pretty much drive it. How are you going to come in here and build golf cart paths? Yeah. Uh, put in, you know, 80 miles of jogging. and I mean, it, it's just going to be extremely tough. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I said Peachtree City is because it's the closest. Right. Okay. But right in there, you would be in a place like, say, Vienna, Austria, which I went there. Those sidewalks there are as wide as our streets. Because mm -hmm. they don't care about cars in, in the cities, because they know what the cars do. Mm -hmm. They have one lane for biking, one lane for family traffic, whatever, and a, a third lane. I don't know what it's called, but their streets are as wide as sidewalks. The, the streets where the cars drive on, they're very narrow, mm -hmm. and there's certain parts of the city where cars are not allowed. That's where we're going to be moving to. It doesn't matter how much people argue with you about, well, 
that's just that's just noise. Okay. It, it's like me, um, like say, like debating once someone ten years ago that uh, 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 electrical vehicles would be the future, and they says no way, this is that they don't like the battery life doesn't last long enough. They had all these assessments, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you don't have unlimited oil in the ground, mm -hmm. and you're destroying the planet, mm -hmm. and I'm just telling you where you're going to go with it. So as you look at today, right, you have, um, and this is getting a little bit off uh, subject, but you have counties, you have states passing legislation now that by the year whatever, there won't be, well, here's one. There's uh, several cities in California that said you, you cannot build any more gasoline stations. Mm. So we know that's, a, that's it. No more gas. So what are they going to be building, right? Um, the governor of California passed things by the year 2030. They only want electrical vehicles on, on the road. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's all vehicles. So when you think about even your own city, you have to think about not next year. The future. Yeah, next yeah. year is fine, but... Well, and see, local municipalities, they get stuck fixing their current problems that were backlogged for 10 years. Yes. And the, the even just the idea of implementing you know, trying to plan 10 years ahead. The master plans that were written 30 years ago for the design of these areas mm -hmm. are far outdated and they're not being updated appropriately. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of poor design in that. Now, Gary's technology in artificial cities, it, it more or less focuses on a macro, yeah. um, accumulating the data and, and, and implementing it. I My focus is more on the micro, working on smaller communities, um, working on neighborhoods, working mm -hmm. on um, in terms of one one niche I'm working with is sustainable farming mm -hmm. and geo sourcing where local gardeners and local farmers can upload their produce so the community can access local produce directly. Okay. Um, now that's something that we've been really trying to uh, build. We have a network of farmers in the area um, and how to... so. Those farmers have been coming to the city and asking the city to pretty much support them financially to help them build out this program. And of course, you know, we're limited on what we can do with taxpayers' mm -hmm. dollars. But that would be a great idea to kind of help them expand that program and reach the residents. I don't, I mean, I could probably, you know, tap Gary into some neighbors that are mm -hmm. farmers. Um, in the city and then that way y'all can connect and maybe do something like a pilot program through the artificial uh, cities program so I'll, I'll make sure great. that I'll connect you I know um, even just with Fulton County they called yesterday because they're thinking about donating some money to those farmers oh, wow. um, so if there's a way that you all can kind of help to make mm -hmm. sure that you know residents do have equal access to that produce and things of that nature that'll people be helpful people do and, want to and now you're building an intelligent city mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you start going down those avenues and things like that i mean just trust me and again when you travel the world and i've traveled other places i get a lot of my ideas from all over the world i just don't sit at home and watch tv mm -hmm. i actually travel and i take the best of what i see in whether it's the middle east whether it's africa whether it's Europe, Asia, I learned so much. I, I recently learned a lot from uh, a, a, a um, software developer I have. He lives in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of like said, all of that business that was going to China, he says, China's hiring them mm -hmm. to do a lot of stuff. A lot of business going to be, because, he, he, well, you know what I'm saying. So I was like, yeah, that's what, I said, that is right. I noticed that, you know, I'm dealing with most of the ones from Vietnam and India. Mm -hmm. So, so whatever you, you're trying to achieve and do here, anything that's forward-looking, and you said this, remember many years ago, like you said to me, you said, hey, I'm looking for people or organizations who can think outside the box. So that caught my like attention. I mm -hmm. said, yeah, I get that. And Or you can follow the traditional, as you say, whatever the southern thought process of the good old town that they've always done. Mm -hmm. They have one sheriff and uh, have one corner store. <laughs> everyone drives, I, I don't know, <laughs> but, you know, whatever it is, and everybody's whatever, right? And 
I can't see how we could survive as a city, where you, yeah. you're going to get left behind. And, um, and you're like in competition. You're in competition for not just people like myself, but families. They're looking for where are we going to move our family? Where are mm -hmm. our kids going to go to school? Yeah. And you're like in competition with these other cities. And, um, and I hate to put it this way, everybody wants to get, you know, like the top dogs and move to the mm -hmm. cities. Mm -hmm. And that's what's, that's even deeper. So when you mentioned there about um, examples of certain cities that I think are doing it right, and I believe that you might be on the same page, but I think you agree that Peachtree City would be one because when they designate all these paths to biking, jogging, golf carts, walking, all that, and, and, and it's safe and there's cameras and there's call boxes every 10 feet, you know, yeah. um, you, you will see it. And I'd imagine that they annexed all the neighborhoods that were bringing in property taxes whenever they established South Fulton. Mm -hmm. So they'll probably have a big developmental plan of, and that's, I would assume that's where the suburbanization was really launched, was to try to get some property taxes to use mm -hmm. in the investment. But see, there's, that is missed and people don't know that. And people are impatient because they, if they don't know, I mean, you know, you ever been driving somewhere you don't know when you're gonna get there and yeah. you're five years old, you're like, we there yet, we yeah. there yet? Yeah. I mean, that, that's how the constituents feel. They're like, you know, are the roads fixed yet? The roads it's like, hold on guys. They're like development, they think that development's <laughs> supposed to happen, you know, in just a year, two years, but typically it takes development, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Now, with technology, it could be a little bit faster, but usually... Or incentives, like that bridge yeah. they put up. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's for the right purpose or mm -hmm. the right people, they're going to they're gonna work their tails off yeah. and put it up overnight. Mm -hmm. um, I just think government does... It's always a snail pace process. Yes. And I think that um, there's ways to be more efficient. There's ways to, you know, get things done. Like, it shouldn't take forever for somebody to go online and pay a ticket. You know, it shouldn't take forever for that ticket to get in the system in order for you to pay it. And that's one of the things that, you know, with our court system, taking a little time to get there. We four years now. We should have been there. You know, it shouldn't have to be where the, the officer writes the ticket and somebody else has to have a body to input that ticket. And then we got to get the ticket in the system. And then the back end user has to pay it. That takes too long. The officer should be able to have something right there in his hand where he's writing the ticket, it uploads to a system, and then it's right there the next day. Where you can opt in to go to court and fight, or you can opt exactly. in right there. And that already like exists. It exists, but not in the city of South Fulton. Right. So those are the things that we really have to, but we have to have that, that thinking of how to become an intelligent city. Like I said, we can tote it all day long. We're, we're this and we're that, but if we don't have the infrastructure in place, that's just to play on words. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've heard some of the uh, slogans, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can have different uh, slogans, whereas, you know, instead of uh, certain ones I've heard, maybe, you know, like the smartest city in America. I'm trying to get you <laughs> I, I like the city upon a hill. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard some other ones, but I said, well, it'd be nice if they put, uh, you know, some other words in front of it, which makes people say, hey, I really want to go there because they said the greatest quality of life or something like that. But, you know, uh, so um, I'm, I'm just making a spin on uh, Councilman Khalid there. You know? mm -hmm. So I said, I wish he put the word rich in front of it or something, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so. The most moving city in America. You know, uh, so, you know, that's, you know, that's the thing. It's not enough to say certain um, um, slogans. I think that when people are looking to move places, it comes, it's always going to come back to like that quality of life. And mm -hmm. I just think people need to, it always comes back to that unless they don't have the means or resources mm -hmm. to move to a place that has a better quality of life. Yeah. That's the economics part that we don't always talk about. There's people who might want to move to a better community, but they don't have the resources or the income now to afford to move. Mm -hmm. well, even if there are resources there, you got to realize, you know, we will build these parks, but then we shut them down for 90% of the day. And these kids, sure, we built these parks for these kids mm -hmm. and for, you know, even adults, but people, I mean, people are on a 24 hour schedule. Like, 
why aren't we letting these parks stay open and have you know an ID swipe where your ID is registered in your jurisdiction and you have access to these parks 24/7? Mm -hmm. They're under surveillance, things like that. Where it's not the lack of resources; it's just not a truly um, it's not using resources to their full effect. So the lack of knowledge of knowing what to do. Or just lack of implementation lack of technology. Of, lack of implementation. And that's one thing, too, that I think we also struggle with as law as policymakers. We mm -hmm. write policies all day, but the real truth and the, the pudding in it is how we're going to implement it. When is it going to be implemented? So mm -hmm. as a new city, we came in writing policies out the door, out the door. And now we're uh, in year four, and we're still talking about the same issue but there's a policy on the book, why hasn't it been implemented? So what we need to do is kind of slow down, uh, take a second look. If there are these policies that we've put in play, maybe there's you know something that we can tweak and put it, take the time to implement it. And that's one of the things that we're missing is that we want to be these overachievers, policymakers, yeah, 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 yeah. But we have to implement. We have to, it's no sense of writing these long drafts of policies and then it just sits on the shelf and collects dust. It's ridiculous. It's like Congress mm -hmm. in, in so many ways. And, but again, like I said, I, I, I do know that uh, it's not an easy job mm -hmm. that you do and so forth. Um, I, I don't, again, like I said, I'm glad that you do it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, no competition from me. <laughs> Because uh, I know what I'm best at, and I work in those areas. But if you have those leadership qualities and you have the patience to deal with the far right and the far left and all of the kind of stuff, God bless you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, we are thankful that you've made time today to yeah, share your awesome. thoughts awesome. and so Thank forth. You. We are hoping that this particular uh, interview will touch the minds of people out there who may think they know what's going on mm -hmm. or whatever, or may have even this narrow vision of what the city is about, what we're doing here, or even, even what your job is, what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. We're hoping that this can change behavior via visually. Gotcha. Well, I will definitely send you that neighbor's information, Willie uh, Miller, and he can connect you with other farmers in the area, and you all can kind of figure out that part of it as well. So. Awesome. Well, thank you all for your time. I appreciate it. This was good. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, you get to be on the world.